0: Well, welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Claim, joined by Eric Stearns, and today we're digging into the entire legacy series, because the series is now complete. Uh, We have a couple of ideas about uh, two weeks ago's sermon, and then last week's sermon, and just the entire series in general. This idea of leaving a legacy of faithfulness that's bigger than who we are, bigger than ourselves, that will last beyond just our own lifetime, um, and and really leave a legacy of faithfulness for future generations. Uh, We saw a little evidence of that in this last week in the life of the church which we can't wait wait to dig into um but
1: uh Eric will us say we get into it sounds good do you want to recap what two weeks ago and last week were about um sure. it's been a little since, since yeah' it's been a, it's been a
0: minute since we recorded uh so a couple weeks ago uh we talked a lot about how we want to be remembered uh, we opened up with the uh with the with the banners from that church in Minnesota of like Judas having the legacy of nothingness. And the other disciples having these really interesting symbols that tie into what their ministry was like, uh, the legacy of faithfulness that they left. Um, and then just asking us the question of how we how we want to be remembered um, and digging into, and, and in that, in the, what we use scripturally is the story of woman anointing Jesus, because Jesus told us that she would be remembered and she was. And she was remembered for the right reasons, because when she had the opportunity to express her devotion to Jesus, she did. And then you have Judas on the other side of that, who, when he had the opportunity to be with Jesus, still missed it. You know, he still just didn't get it. He has he was so... Earth focused he was focused on this is a, an expense that's that doesn't make sense and this is this is wasteful and this is horrible and you know meanwhile he was patting his own pockets and you know doing some pretty unethical stuff and then decides to sell out Jesus. And so Judas is remembered too. So how is it that we want to be remembered? There are these two big signpost examples ahead in front of us the woman at the the anointing and Judas and the woman is remembered for the right reasons. And Judas is remembered for the wrong reason. So how is it that we will be remembered is really the, the heart of that sermon of just, you know, those are obviously polar examples and there are times when we're, when we're going to be like Judas too, but yet, you know, what do we want our legacy really to be? How do we want people to really remember us 10, 15 years down the line or you know, a generation down the line?
1: yeah so I have to admit something i don't uh don't usually say this but i can i can relate to Judas in this scenario in this scenario only I don't want to kill jesus um right. but yeah i I would be him in this mm-hmm. scenario where it seems wasteful and or I can totally understand where he's coming from yeah seems wasteful what can you do with that money elsewhere um and so yeah i kind of struggle with this passage a little bit just the practicalness in me um where i'm trying to look for the best bang for the buck and make sure right. we have a sound investment and all that kind of stuff like right that's tough um so yeah this this passage gets to me a little bit but yeah.
0: Yeah, I couldn't completely understand that. I mean, and that's why Jesus' instructions or Jesus' clarification is so helpful. I found interesting in the research that didn't make it into the sermon is that what Jesus says, you know, you'll always have the poor with you. He's not being crappy about poor people. Um, He's actually quoting what other rabbis would teach. There will always be other opportunities to express faithfulness in those areas. Um, But yet they have this opportunity in front of them this woman had this opportunity in front of her to express her devotion to Jesus and that's really you know giving to the poor and making sure that people you know can rise above their station is part of expressing our devotion to Jesus because that's who Jesus calls us to take care of but yet when Jesus is with you you know you and and, and if Jesus is that important You got to, you have to find ways to express your devotion. And that's what she chose to do.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. In your research, did you come across anything or do you know anything else about this woman? Like who she is?
0: No, um, there is a tradition uh, that she might be one of the Marys, uh, not Mary Magdalene or Mary, like the mother of Jesus, but uh, just an, an, another Mary. And then also the other part of the tradition, she might be Mary, the sister of Martha. Um, you know, once again, finding herself at the finding herself at the feet of Jesus. It may be that this is Mary reacting and responding to the resurrection of Lazarus um but that's you know we don't i don't think there i don't think there's enough textual evidence to really say that this is that so sure.
1: but yeah to just like you had talked about how how much money this thing would have been worth yeah for her to just give it all up for jesus
0: mm-hmm. yeah to pour it on the ground like literally just yeah, to pour exactly. it on the ground like
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: Yep. And it was, it was, I mean, if we combine Matthew Stel- Matthew's telling and John's telling, it's pure nard. It is not a traditional ceremonial perfume. It's something that's way more special. And it should I mean, it was, it was incredibly wasteful for that to be used in that way. But because it was for Jesus, that rede- Jesus has this way of redeeming things, including our wastefulness
1: what do you do with that that um that contradictory mindset of of that battle you know you're always in a battle of you know that was wasteful but it was for Jesus like how do we how do we handle that like how do we or in your mind how do you kind of thread that needle to to make that okay or or you right. know what i'm saying
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not like, it's not like we're trying to justify our actions, but also there is, Mm -hmm. I mean, we are still called to be good stewards of the resources that we've been given. And she is a terrible Mm -hmm. steward because she poured it on the ground. (laughs) Right. Uh, you know what what this reminds me of um is that the the largest united methodist church in the united states is their united methodist church of the resurrection mm-hmm. um and they just a few years ago completed their like their dream building um you know that they were able to move out of their sanctuary completely renovate their sanctuary into uh, repurpose their 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 old sanctuary into different things and build onto their building with this immaculate sanctuary. I mean, when you are in that sanctuary, you are pulled into the presence of God just by walking your feet in the door. That's where they get to worship because they invested lots of dollars. And, you know, there's a lot of people that say the same exact thing that Judas said. There are people that have said that to the church of the resurrection saying, you know, what why would you spend that much on this type of a space where you don't really need that to worship Jesus, you know, but then, then, you know, but yet they find these ways they, they were able to so expand their ministry Um, By by making that decision, they needed a bigger space because they had just, you know, they have people that are joining the church all the time and just, you know, they're, they're running out of space, they're adding services, they're and they're doing their due diligence to be good stewards. But yet by expanding into a new space, they were able to do so much more. And so, if we if if we invest into into our ministry, if we invest into something, maybe it's a ministry that ends up not panning out, but yet we give we've given our time and our energy to it, we haven't wasted that because there may still be some seed or some spark that comes out of that. You know, we we just can't put a limit on what God's going to do and what God's going to work through. And things that look like statistical failures to us can really truly be that thing that bridges the gap for somebody else, you Mm -hmm. know? And so I just think that we have to, I mean, I think that we not justify in our own minds, but I think that really that we, that we hold on to a hope that God's going to do something with whatever it is that we're doing um in in a way that you know expands and 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 changes over time
1: i also think about um so last summer we went to charleston south carolina yeah and as a part of that trip we went to some of those really 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 old churches you know from the from the civil war era or from the even some of those are from the revolutionary war era and how gorgeous they were and you just think about what what churches did then hand carving, you know, just gorgeous um um artwork all over the place. And no, that wasn't necessary, like you said, to worship Jesus. And now we're we seem to be okay with just worshiping in warehouses, which I think we've the pendulum has swung way too far the other way, but we can get into that later.
0: Yeah, that's um, a whole that's a whole other topic of, of which I have several opinions, but
1: right. But that extravagance that that sacrificing significant time and energy to worship God, just like this lady did, you know, and mm-hmm. hers was money and you know yeah. valuable, valuable perfume. Yep. Like we have examples other than her of people doing the same thing. Yep. In in modern times.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely.
1: And I think almost you know, sometimes we've almost become too efficient in things sure. or we've we've put too much value in um, simplicity um, and it should be different we're talking about the savior of the world we should treat him differently than an amazon package right
0: yeah definitely That's yeah we don't need to right yeah we don't need to <laughs> we don't need to bargain shop for jesus yeah yep yeah i mean and you know but there there is a delicate balance though like like i said earlier we are called to be good stewards of our resources but yet we are also called to express praise and thanksgiving and sometimes those things do butt up against each other and don't mesh how they're supposed to but you have to you know you just have to invest in you have to invest with faithfully and you know just with a with a with a core belief that god is going to do something through our investment it's going to be worth it
1: the sistine chapel that was never finished yeah you know stuff like that talk about an investment the guy never got done
0: building stories of a lot of cathedrals are just you know ridiculous because they were an extravagant expense aesthetic part of how we connect to god is still important. I mean, the reason why cathedrals have these big vaulted ceilings is because you're supposed to have your eyes drawn upward. Like the reason why they painted the Sistine the C- the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel is to draw your draw your eyes upward and draw your heart upward and connect it to god that way because, you know, that heaven when we think about heaven, we think up. You know, okay. and so yeah, that, that's why And then, that's why it matters is because it's what connects us to to God sometimes.
1: And it just, it, it shows that God is bigger than ourselves. You know, yes, it was something that we as humans built. Right. What you should walk into a, you walk into that place and you're just in awe. And that's what we should be Mm -hmm. when we feel like we're in the presence of God. Yep. Definitely. And this woman definitely seems like she was in awe
0: absolutely which then which then kind of leads us into into last week's sermon which was the the wrapping yeah. it up and really like the reason why the reason why that investment of the of the perfume made sense was because it was for Jesus you know and so our legacy is built not on, you know, our ability to crunch the numbers. Our legacy is not built on our ability to count the cost. Our legacy is really built on Jesus Christ. Um, and so that was the issue that the Corinthians were facing as they didn't quite know where that was supposed to go. And so they were putting it in weird spots. Like you know, who has the most money, or who belongs to the church and who doesn't belong the church? Who can take off the time from work uh, to go and be a part of the communion celebration, which was an actual meal, and who who had to stay behind and work? Who who belonged and who didn't? And then also that bled into who introduced you to the faith or who baptized you, and so they were like claiming their identity on this person that you know that, that, that 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 introduced them to the faith, and that's you know. Ugh. I can understand where that comes from because I think it's really cool that the bishop, the bishop O baptized my son Auden, but Auden doesn't belong to Bishop O. You know, and, pa- mm-hmm. and Pastor Steve baptized my dad, my sister, myself, Simon, and Emmeline but we don't belong to Steve like we belong to Jesus we belong to the person that Steve has introduced us to through the waters of baptism we belong to God and and God is expressed in Jesus Christ like that's where the foundation really lies like with this with this woman and the, the woman last week like because it was for Jesus it made sense even mm-hmm. though it didn't make any sense whatsoever to anybody else
1: i liked your your introduction of teams and how we're playing for the name on the front of the jersey not the name on the back of the jersey mm-hmm. and it just kept th- kept i just kept thinking about the old adage of the whole is but greater than the sum of its parts right and when you look at our church and you look at the just the different people that we have there and how probably any organization wouldn't hire that group of people to run a business but hey as we Come together, and we have engineers, and we have accountants, and we have teachers, and and truck drivers, and all these other people. Yep, we work together, and we become more than what each individual can do. Like the individual, absolutely never going to yes. say that individual doesn't matter, and individuality doesn't matter. But really, individuality doesn't matter as right. long as we all work together for the greater purpose. And that's what I kept getting back to and how how our church has always done a really good job of, I always feel like our church does a good job of that, where we we set goals and we go and get those goals and we use different people, you know, sometimes it might feel like it's always the same people doing things, but there are, you know, there's examples of, you know, in ways, you know, Turkey Supper is a perfect example of that. I've heard comments of others who say, how on earth do you get so many people in your church to come and help work at this thing? And I don't ever have a good answer for that other than we just do and we don't ask questions and we know our roles and we get the job done because we know that it is important for the community. It's important for our church and ultimately it's important for God because it's a way that we can fellowship together and serve others. Yep. I've always, you know, I've I've always enjoyed that. Um, And I just think it's so important and I think it really fit in with your sermon this week. About how, you know, the 1963 football team or, you know, whatever other examples you used. Yep. Those guys working together were the best football team in the state of South Dakota um, and became more than what each individual could achieve.
0: Absolutely.
1: You know, and, so yeah, I just thought about that quite a bit.
0: I mean, it's the reflection of the body of Christ. I mean, we, we you know, Paul and other places actually, Later in the letter to the Corinthians, talks about how we do have these individual skill sets, we have these individual giftings and these individual passions and things that we care about that no one else, you know, you you care about different things than I do. And that's not bad. That's just a reflection of who God, how God has made us. But it when we work together towards the headship of Jesus Christ. We get to move in the right direction. We get to move together in the right direction, and that's all there. I mean, that's there. There. There is no higher glory in the life of the church than working together with people. You know, in church universal, to work together with people that have the same heart and the same desire for Jesus that you do.
1: Mm-hmm. I think sometimes Christianity gets a better rap because you know I, I I think everyone hears the if there's so many denominations it's clear none of you guys actually understand or none of you agree on anything so why should i join you right but i think the point of all the different denominations is just for that yeah there are things that that maybe we have differing opinions on Mm -hmm. but the important part is is we all serve the same god right you know we're all the reason that we're all here is the same yeah We interpret things differently, but but Jesus is still Jesus, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we had to, We had a pretty powerful reminder of that. Um, later on last Sunday, we had the Thanksgiving service, which is sponsored by our ministerial association. And, you know, it's Tom, uh, Pastor Tom Gilman from Redeemer Free welcoming us because he's the president of the ministerial association. And uh, John Splickle Larson, the new pastor at Kent Lutheran, came and did something from his tradition. And Shelley Gehring, the pastor from uh, Grand Valley, did something that was very much in her tradition. And I preached and it was all just, you know, this hodgepodge of theological traditions, but it still was in that same vein and that same identity of forming ourselves in Christ, like grounding ourselves in the word of God, the Bible. And then, you know, and then really looking to Jesus to be our unifying force. And then again, working together for to become greater than we, than we are separately. Yeah. And that's huge, super important.
1: So the other, the other thing I was thinking about while you're delivering this um, sermon was, over the last year the 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 hardships or the just the crappy situation our church had to go through with our um one individual that made some poor financial decisions in the church um and just the the stuff that we have had to go through and and i know at the beginning of this you and i had talked and others had talked about what's this going to do to our church is this going to is this going to be the end of it? You know, that you know, a lot of people, you know, go to the the worst possible negative outcome and, and, and likely that was never going to be the case, but. But yeah, we we just did. We didn't know. Yeah. We didn't know. We didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. And now we're a year past that Mm -hmm. we're getting towards the end of this whole thing, getting wrapped up. And what I keep thinking about is we're unchanged. Mm. We're still here. Our can Church, our, our, our church is still here, even though crappy things have happened to us. And I think that's just a Testament to the people in our church. I think that's Testament more to what God really means to us. And the, and the, 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 the idea that, um, we need a group of, of people to support us through crappy situations and um, that we can all work together and still be connected even when bad things happen. Yeah. I, just, I, I I didn't know what was going to happen over the last year. And you spent a lot of time praying on it and you just you don't know. And we didn't go anywhere. And we're still right. here, and I think that's a testament to the community as well. Like, when people are are uh, looking for a new church or something like that, like, they can look at us and be like, yeah, that crappy thing happened in early, but didn't really set them back at all. They're still doing what they do. Right. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, this has been hard and it has shaken a lot of us, and yeah, there was so much uncertainty when it all started, and, you know, there were... I mean, I had nightmares, I mean, just about what this could have meant, but yeah, we did not have a mass exodus of people. We did not compromise who we are at all. I mean, our, our mission statement remains the same that we're to make disciples of Jesus Christ to make a difference. And that has not, that hasn't changed. And we, you know, we celebrated charge conference on Sunday. We had the opportunity to share, even in the midst of this hard, hard year that made a lot of things hard. I mean, in the situation that made a lot of things harder. We were still able to share good news of how we made disciples of Jesus Christ and how we've made a difference, not just in our community, but in our larger denomination and in, in, in our larger world. Um, you know, I just think that that's so, so important and, and something that is definitely not praiseworthy of like us, but just, you know, praiseworthy of just the faithfulness of God, um, mm-hmm. you know, and the, and the way that God's faithful and the faithfulness has formed us into faithful people as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it just feels like God is definitely using this situation to to use an old sports term to galvanize us together, you know. Sure. Oh yeah. When crappy things happen, some teams fall apart and other teams get stronger. And it sure just feels like we're getting stronger. Yeah. And I that's not a that's not any th- any one thing that any individual has done, but I think the fact that we have each other to lean on and that God is present in our church. Mm-hmm. Makes all the difference.
0: Absolutely. And that, I mean, this is one of those, you know, this is one of those moments that will be something that will forever be something that happened, but it isn't something that defines us. Um, Except in that it defines our faithfulness. And like we are passing that legacy of faithfulness on to future to future generations, because there are people that are watching us now and how we navigate this. And even if they don't know what's going on, I'm sure they can tell that something's we, that something's off, you know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. like, yet there are still people willing to invest their lives here in the life of the church, willing to, you know, trust us with their finances, even if that, you know, was not true for a while or that trust was broken, but yet, you know, we are still doing the work of ministry. We're still doing the work of God. And Yeah. Yeah. Something that was kind of cool that came out of worship on Sunday, we put it up on our Facebook page. But uh, one of our one of our little people in the life of the church, uh, Everett, uh, your son, uh, mm-hmm. drew a picture. Um, and I was talking to you to to you and Jenna earlier tonight about just how there's no more perfect encapsulation of what I wanted that sermon to accomplish. You know, it's a picture of a cross. It's a picture of you know the symbol of, of of Jesus with a bunch of names around it of just different people that Everett was able to see in church. And he said, "This is a drawing for the church, and I want the church to have it." And so we were able to, able to share that. But you know, what a what a perfect encapsulation of what a legacy of faithfulness looks like. Like we we are people that are drawing, you know, the youngest among us to 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 a relationship with Jesus, and you know, really, you know, just that. The, They have that foundation. They are they are building a a faith that is founded on Christ, even as they are in kindergarten. You know, and that's just Mm -hmm. such a that's such a beautiful gift that we can pass on um, to to future generations.
1: Yeah, and what I loved about it is it wasn't just names of his aunt, aunt and uncle, and cousins that are in the church. Yep, it was a whole array of different people of different ages that Mm -hmm. he knows that he knows support him. Um, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Proud dad moment right there.
0: When he said, okay, Pastor Clay, you need to go look on your desk. Cause I I have a drawing for the church. Okay. You know, I was super, <laughs> stu- I was already excited because he's so cool, but then just to see what it was just, I mean, it took my breath away a little bit. That's a legacy of faithfulness right there.
1: Well, we'll keep trying to nurture that <laughs> as best we can. Yep. So what's what's what do we have on on deck next week?
0: Uh yeah, so that was the end of our legacy series and so we are um we are um, going to be uh pivoting uh, away from that now but uh on Sunday is a day in the life of the church called Christ the King Sunday um there was a decision made about a hundred years ago that the last Sunday of the of the liturgical calendar the the, the of the church year um, should be a day where the church comes together and proclaims the kingship of Christ over all things um, and so as we prepare for Advent in two weeks um, that's the start of the uh, that's the start of the new church year um and so we're gonna be having this day on the last day of the church year the last Sunday Monday of the church year um, to really focus in on what, on what it means for Jesus Christ to be King. Um, and the question is going to be Jesus is King and blank is not. And what is it that we use to fill in that blank? What are the things in our life that clamor for our attention, that clamor for our devotion, that have the ability to usurp the kingship of Jesus? When we really take a hard look at our lives, what is it that we try to make king that is less than? Because everybody's guilty of it. Everybody has that thing. Everybody has those things, plural that are clamoring for for our attention and devotion. And so what does it mean for us as we prepare for Advent, as we prepare for the birth of Christ? What does it mean for us to take a hard look at our lives and a hard look at ourselves in just a hard moment and say, Jesus is King. And if Jesus is King, that means that something else is not. And what is that? And what do we do with that then? Um, And so that'll be kind of where we focus our attention on Sunday. Nice. Yeah. I like Christ the King Sunday. I'm a church nerd. It's okay.
1: That's all right. So you're in the right position.
0: Yep. Yes.
1: So. Well, thanks for joining us in this week's Cut for Time podcast. Join us again next week in church at 10 a.m., online and Facebook Live, or back here for the podcast next week.
0: Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.